Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host and I am very excited to be joined by a new face in the world of trail and ultra running. I think a lot of us out there like to consider ourselves fans of the sport and we follow the sport fairly closely. And I think my next guest is somebody who some of you may not have heard of before. And if you have heard the name, you may kind of say to yourself, why do I recognize that name? And it's because he made a huge splash in the world of ultra running in his ultra debut earlier this fall, coming to us from the land of Lincoln, the great state of Illinois. It is Taggart Van Etten. Taggart, welcome to the Pain Cave. Jay, uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here tonight. So uh, let's do this. Let's do this indeed. Taggart, we don't like to, or I should say, I don't really enjoy kind of the uh, tell me your life story type of podcast. I find them to be kind of boring. But in this case, we're, we are going to have to do this a little bit because as I kind of alluded to, you are a very fresh face on the ultra scene. Uh, I don't know very much about you, so that's actually going to be a little bit interesting for me. But I think to give our listeners a little bit of background before we get into your ultra debut earlier this year, tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into the sport of running in general and ultra running in particular. What happened this year and how COVID, it sounds like, kind of pushed you in this direction a little bit. Uh, Well, I started running in high school. Uh, That carried on to a few years in junior college. Um, I quit running in college. And I picked up triathlon when I was about 19 or 20 years old. Uh, In my four years in triathlon, I became a pretty decent half Ironman guy. I had a personal best of four hours and 11 minutes. Very, that's Uh, very decent. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, That was in 2019. Um, Concluding my 2019 triathlon season, I had planned to run the Indianapolis Marathon. And luckily, I ran um, 237. And that was from very low run mileage. But uh, but um, I was also swimming and cycling a lot, like a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, I was used to building that like aerobic base. And um, I had decided after the Indianapolis Marathon last year that I would in 2020 start the chasing after an Olympic trials qualification for 2024. And um, because of what happened with with coronavirus, it knocked my spring marathon plan out. Then it knocked my fall marathon plan out. So <laughs> I decided that I would sign up for a 100 miler. And that's what led me to Tunnel Hill this year. Pretty All right. much. So there, there's a there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, the first thing is, I guess the first question is, why a 100 miler straight out of the gate? I mean, I, I understand the desire to kind of fill in the schedule and, and jump to something and maybe say make it something epic. But I think most people who maybe come from a marathon or a half Ironman background would say, well, why don't we do a 50 miler or a hundred K or something like that? Well, I just kind of figured if there was any year to build a huge aerobic base that would help my eventual, um, OTQ for a 219, uh, that the training for a hundred miler would be sufficient for me. And I thought I'll do this hundred miler once and I'll never have to do it again. So, <laughs> that, so yeah, that was kind of my drive on it. So that, that's interesting. Um, because I think a lot of what we've been reading and hearing in interviews from a lot of people is that, you know, th- those of us who are kind of viewing uh, the pandemic or, or the the lack of, of a regular racing schedule as kind of an opportunity in training, maybe to work on some weaknesses and that sort of thing. Um, now, from the ultra side of things, it's usually people who are saying, you know, it's really it's a good opportunity for me to work on my speed. Um, for you, uh, viewing the, the OTQ um, time as the ultimate goal. 
did you feel like the aerobic base was the, the main thing that you were lacking? Do you feel like you have the speed kind of dialed from your triathlon training and it's really more of a uh, building of volume? Well, uh, well, uh, considering I have to go from a 237 marathon to a 219, I do have a significant amount of speed and endurance and everything to do that. But um, with, go- with training in triathlon for four years, I was only running about three times a week. It, I was only running probably 22 to 25 miles a week. Right. And um, when you switch into marathon training or switch to just running, you know, um, you can really be stepping on hot coals if you're increasing volume and intensity. So, so I kind of figure in 2020, I would just kind of massively increase volume to the point to where I would have this uh, like huge aerobic base to where um, once I were to change focus, I would have this aerobic base of all these miles to where I could finally start adding in um, intensity in 2021. And I just kind of trusted my body that, that, uh, that I would remember how to run fast. So, Right. Fair enough. And, and you, I mean, having been a collegiate runner, at least for some period of time, I'm sure you have some, uh, background or basis in terms of speed training, threshold training, that sort of stuff. You mentioned that you, you stopped running in college for a while. Why was that? Were you having injury issues or? Um, it was kind of my fault and my coach's fault in college. Um, they kind of ran me into the ground a little bit. I did it myself uh, Mm -hmm. partially, but, um, I had this mentality in college that is completely awful. I thought if I wasn't running at least a seven minute mile pace that it wasn't worth running (laughs) and doing that at 18, 19 years old can just absolutely destroy you. And, and it wasn't, it was something that it was something that should have been brought to me that I felt like, um, that I felt like all my coaching staff like should have told me like, Hey, it's okay to run eight minute pace because like I do that today. And there's guys faster than me who run slower than me on recovery days, you know? Right. But, um, I don't know. It was just kind of a mix of things. I didn't grow up as a runner. Um, I grew up as a kid who played all sports and then I picked up running when I was 17. So like the whole, like have this amazing, uh, like a uh, collegiate like a collegiate career that was a um, junior college and then eventually transferred to a division one school and then potentially, you know, get regionals that seemed to be the dream for everyone else, but it wasn't necessarily my dream. I want to do things on my terms. Um, It is what it is. I'm thankful. I'm, I'm forever grateful for my time that I spent running in college, but I love my time in triathlon more. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, What about triathlon kind of appealed to you? Was it, uh, the, the kind of uh, ability to kind of build everything on your own? Did you enjoy the, the switching off between sports and such? I really enjoyed the uh, strategical aspect of triathlon mm. to where like, to where like you pick, you know, your poison of I'm going to go a little bit harder on the bike right here for this segment. Um, I need to work on this. I need to work on that. And I love the variety. And I love that when I was doing triathlon, I felt like a true like athlete. I didn't feel like I was a runner. I felt like a guy who could, you know, do three sports, four sports, you know, sure. it is triathlon. So, uh, so a swim, bike, run. And, um, I didn't really, I kind of went into a bad place with running. I didn't like it for a while. I, <laughs> I, I just, it was for about three years there, probably more than that, where, I was only running twice or three times a week because just because I just felt like running took everything from me and and uh, and uh, to get to a professional level in triathlon, you need to be swimming at a collegiate level. You need to be swimming seven days a week. You need to be cycling, you know, 
15 to 20 hours a week right. and i just felt like uh, running was something that i did on the side of honestly of <laughs> uh, swimming and cycling so that's funny though because you know you look at the high level you know, at least ironmans and such that you see on tv and, and and i think the olympic distance too the races are often won in the run basically oh uh, oh they are so they are for sure but you know without that uh that passport of the cycling and the, and the swimming to get you through the door. You're just not even going to be in striking distance, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, the race starts in the swim, the tempo is set on the bike and it's one and the run. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Okay. So what, so you said you kind of struggled a little bit with the, the, the running aspect of it, at least from a mental standpoint, what led you to, uh, what, what changed, I guess that, that led you to kind of embrace running full time, uh, and set the uh, Olympic trials as as the goal. Um, well, I had just kind of, I had the thoughts of going back to running all of 2019. I was running well off the bike. I was running for a half Ironman, a uh, half marathon split, a 13-1 split and a 70.3. I was running between 115, 118 off the bike. Wow. And um, and uh, my running was like significantly improving off a of very low mileage, mm -hmm. and it's I it was just kind of always in the back of my mind that maybe eventually I would make the switch back. But, uh, but, uh, I had plans to eventually, you know, hopefully someday get a pro card, uh, go to Kona, you know, mm -hmm. everything, everything that, uh, everything that a young guy hopes for in triathlon. Sure. And then, um, after the Indianapolis marathon last, last fall, 2019, I was taking my downtime and I was just weighing my options back and forth. And, I had just decided that I was I was tired of I was tired of the financial aspect of triathlon because it costs so much money to maintain a bike to mm -hmm. compete to go mm -hmm. to all these races, and um, running just really appealed to me. And I thought, well, maybe I could go for this OTQ in four years and then switch back and go back to and then after the OTQ in 2024 go back into triathlon. Right. But but. Uh, that is not going to happen now, obviously, <laughs> but, um, it was just, it was just something that I had just decided that, uh, just running made me happy Yeah. again, finally. Okay. So, all right. So 2020 comes, the pandemic happens, your racing plans go up in smoke and you decide you're going to, right, this is going to be the, the aerobic build year and you'll target the hundred. So I, I did a little bit of reading about your kind of aerobic buildup, I guess. Uh, and it, it was, I don't know if I would say terrifying, but at least shocking to say the least, uh, to the amount of, uh, volume and such that you were putting in and some of the paces. So tell, tell us a little bit about what your kind of buildup looked like through the summer and the early fall in terms of, uh, mileage and, and the types of, of stuff that you were doing to get ready for your debut at Tunnel Hill. So, um, kind of all spring and early summer, I was running between 120, 140 miles a week. It was kind of my bread and butter and I was still cycling a lot then. And then, um, probably the end of July, I started really ramping up to like 140, 150 mile weeks. And then, uh, once the school year, I'm a teacher, uh, once the school year started, I decided to really ramp things up and I started running on my on weeks. I would do a cycle of three weeks on and one week's off. Mm -hmm. And the three weeks on were approximately between 180 to 185 miles. And then the down week was about 120 miles. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, basically Monday through Friday morning was a 16 mile run. And then Monday through Friday afternoon was an eight mile run. 
Saturdays were what I call an ultra distance run. So um, I consider an ultra distance anything from like 50K on up. Mm -hmm. So so basically what I did is I started at like 30 miles and then every week I would add four or five miles. And then Sunday I would try to run a marathon in under three hours every Sunday. And I just repeated that cycle until I felt until I felt like I was confident enough and up until the race point. Now, um, yeah. go, okay. go ahead. Uh, all right. So, and, and just to, to dial a little bit or drill down a little bit more specifically in terms of pacing, are you, uh, are you trying to hit specific paces? I mean, other than the Sunday run where, you know, you're trying to run basically seven minute pace or faster for a marathon, but um, other than that, are you doing specific pacing, varying paces or run by feel Are you using a GPS? How are you, how are you doing this? Monday through Friday for my morning and my afternoon run, those were all just, I just wanted it to feel easy, mm-hmm. um, an easy pace for me, just depending on the day. Some days I'd be running seven minute, uh, I'd be running between a 6.50, 7.10 pace. Some days I'd be running 8.20 pace in the mm-hmm. morning and the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I just did whatever I felt was easy for my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then my Saturday long run, my uh, my ultra distance long run, I always tried to get that start at like goal 100 mile pace which is like a 720 pace and then work my way down to like the to like the low sevens and the high sixes and mm-hmm. and um and then when i'd finish that saturday long run i wanted to finish thinking i could have ran five or ten more miles mm-hmm. and then i would follow that up on sunday with a with a hopefully a three-hour marathon pretty steady state mm-hmm. so it doesn't sound like there's a lot you're not doing uh you know, specific speed work, you're not doing hill work, fart licks, stuff like that. It's, it's mostly basically, uh, easy miles or progressive miles, steady state running, that sort of thing. I could not imagine trying to add any intensity to that schedule. Cause I felt my legs were about to crack. No, agreed. So, agreed. <laughs> so, I mean, right. So, you know, the idea of 120 to 140 mile weeks is, I mean, it is probably somewhat extreme to the majority of listeners, but I, I don't think is unheard of by any stretch in, in the high level marathon world or the ultra marathon world, you know, as a, you know, a, a once aspiring OTQ qualifier myself, I've done more than my share of 125 mile weeks out there. Uh, but, uh, stacking 180 plus mile weeks on top of each other is something that I think has been traditionally reserved for the either elite of the elite, or, uh, I think the kind of, I, I, in, in the crazy, yeah, all right. I was (laughs) trying to, trying to come up with a diplomatic way to say it. Um, I mean, you're a young guy, you're, you're 24, 25. I'm 24. I turn 25 next week. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, so at, at a young age, that certainly could be sustainable for a short period of time. But I, I you know, and, and I, I don't want to seem like, a, you know, a fear monger or you know, just be like, oh, running, you, you run that much, you're going to ruin your knees or whatever it is. But um, do you have concerns about, you know, long term longevity stacking that much mileage on top of each other? I mean, we. Uh, when, when I hear 100 mile or 180 mile, 190 mile, 200 mile weeks, I start thinking about, um, you know, guys who have had uh, spectacular but relatively brief careers. Um, you know, Anton Krupichka is, is uh, a, a seminal name in, in kind of the modern ultra running world and was famous for 200 mile training weeks building up to Leadville and, you know, had a, 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 an amazing three or four year run and, and then has kind of struggled with injuries since then. 
I mean, I go back to Jerry Lindgren in the 70s putting in 200, 250-mile weeks, who was one of the all-time greats and also had a you know, injury-plagued and shortened career. Do you worry about that? Is it something that you know that you'll need to modulate at some point, or do you think you're just kind of biomechanically set up to be able to handle that kind of volume? I don't think I have a very high VO2 max, and I don't think I have a lot of fat, fast twitch muscles. But I think for some reason my body has the ability to take a what I call a beating pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, I have the ability to, I wouldn't say for the rest of my life, to run 200 mile a week. But um, I think I have the ability for four to five months out of every year to put myself in that unnaturally fit state. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you I won't be running 180 mile weeks in February, March or April. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Those those weeks will be be sustained for my fall Mm -hmm. 100 mile uh, training blocks. Mm -hmm. Um, But but as far as like longevity goes, I just do not want to have any regrets someday. And, um, I, and I'm very fine tuned with my body. I, I, I uh, listen to my legs and, um, I think a lot of runners deal with this. I'm not afraid to, uh, to a cancel run and add in a bike. Mm -hmm. So if I'm feeling beat up, I will gladly get on my bike. I have right here and spin on Zwift. So, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point about listening to your body and being willing to pivot like that. That's the flexibility is important. You mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, VO two max and, and, you know, uh, muscle composition. Have you ever been tested in a lab? Had your VO two max, your economy check, that sort of thing? Never. I have a Garmin predictor, but yeah, that's, I, I don't know how real that, I don't know how realistic that yeah, is. Just but. curious. Okay. Well, whenever you're on the East coast, you come, we'll, we'll test you. I'll, I'll give you a free test and we'll, it'd be interesting to find out anyway. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. Um, all right, good. So yeah, tell, tell us, I mean, let's get into it a little bit about tunnel Hill. Um, you know, tunnel Hill is one of the fastest, if not the fastest, uh, non road course in the U S uh, you know, Phil, my regular co-host, and I like to joke about Tunnel Hill because it's technically considered a trail race, um, although there's very little trail about it. Uh, but it is the site of some of the fastest uh, trail hundreds and 50 miles ever run, quote unquote trail, uh, including Zach Bitter's uh, trail U.S. record from, I want to say, 2019. 2018. 2018. Thank you. Of, of uh, 1209. Yeah, and it sounds like you kind of, you know, at least had in the back of your mind a, a real fast time. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, going into the race mentally, what, what, where you were at, you know, were you, um, were you intimidated by the idea of the 100 miles? Were you just excited to get after it? And tell us about how you kind of approached the early stages. Uh, two weeks before the race, I had finished a 211-mile week. And on Saturday, I ran a 50-mile split in six hours. And on Sunday, I finished up with a sub-three-hour marathon. And that concluded my training for Tunnel Hill, and I started my taper. And every day for my taper, I started feeling uh, fitter, uh, fresher, and faster. Um, I had every intention to go under uh, Zach Bitter's American record of 1208. I I just felt like I had everything I needed to. from my triathlon days, I, I understood a nutrition, I think better than most, uh, faster marathoners would Mm -hmm. just because I was competing for four hours, Mm -hmm. uh, compared to two hours. Sure. So, so, uh, so just having that in my corner was, was very nice. Um, leading into the race, uh, I actually had to, I actually had to ask uh, Steve Durbin, uh, 
a foreign entry fee be, because of coronavirus. They could only allow so many people. Mm. And so, uh, so yeah, so he had to do that for me. <laughs> um, um, as far as the race went, I mean, uh, I think Tunnel Hill is a world-class event. I've only been to one ultra marathon and that's Tunnel Hill, but, um, but, um, I was very impressed with Steve. I was very impressed with the volunteers, everyone at the race, uh, just kind of handling, uh, just kind of handling, uh, COVID and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, the uh, volunteers and the aid stations were awesome. Uh, just, uh, just the whole event, like really surprised me. And, um, yeah, and Steve, us, Steve's, and, a, uh, Steve's a real pro. He's been doing this for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, I know he's, uh, the, uh, director of strolling gym, which is a classic 40 mile in Tennessee. And I think he puts on the six days in the dome among a bunch of other bigger events. So, and he's got and he has a lot of road racing directing experience as well, doing marathons and such. He's, he's a, He's definitely knows what he's doing with his race management company, but sorry, go on. Oh, so, oh no, no, no uh, you're fine. Um, uh, as far as the race morning went, it started out um, upper thirties and it ended in like mid fifties. I think I think the high was like 50, was like fifty four or fifty five, and it was a seven mile per hour crosswind. I mean, you want to talk about the perfect day to yeah, run fast? Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, just starting off cooler like that and just warming up the first 10, 15 miles and then slowly taking the layers off and handing it to my crew. Um, um, I've said this a few times and I'll keep saying it. My, um, I could not have finished that race on twelve nineteen if it wasn't for my pit crew. I had my three best friends there and they were just, they were just awesome for me on that day. Had they done Those anything like guys. that before? No. Wow. Nope. Wow. Nope. We, had, we hadn't practiced. Yeah, nope. We hadn't practiced anything. We just had a plan, and um, we and uh, and uh, the four of us executed the twelve nineteen together. It wasn't just me, so that's great. Uh, yeah, it was it was awesome to have them there. So I read in uh, some of the coverage that you yeah you had set out to target uh, Zach's uh, trail record, quote unquote trail. Record. I'm going to keep throwing up those air quotes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, but you, your your GPS kind of conked out on you, and you were just you really were running by feel uh, for the first ten hours or so. Basically, is that right? Yeah, yeah. It it quit on me around mile eight or mile between mile eight and mile nine. It was about an hour into the race. Yeah. So did, I mean, mentally, was that tough to overcome? Uh, just not having that feedback there, or not really. I mean, I would say most runners in 2020 are like me and they're absolutely married to their watch, mm. <laughs> um, unfortunately. But uh, but um, I was there to run 12.07 and um, and um, with my crew, they would give me my, my pace, my split, and they would tell me if, uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, they would also tell me how far Zach was ahead of me. Mm, okay. Um, so, okay. So you had, and, so, and how often were you seeing them? I've never been to the course, so I don't know how often the crew accesses. Um, some splits are five miles and some are actually 10 miles. Okay. So, all right. So you had a little bit of feedback, yeah. but obviously not like if you were getting it mm-hmm. to, yep. And you mentioned nutrition, um, which I, I, I think is a, an important point knowing what you're doing with that from your try days, because that is one of the biggest hurdles for, you know, incoming ultra runners who come in from the marathon scene where, right, it's just, you know, maybe you'll take a couple of gels and that's it. Uh, not, you know, fueling for a hundred is a, a totally different beast. Um, what, what's your, what was your nutrition plan like? Uh, are you using solid foods? Are you using gels? And, and had you practiced that beforehand? I practice everything I used in race day on those long ultra run Saturdays mm-hmm. that I was doing. 
every every Saturday from 16 weeks out, I was practicing um, goo birthday gels. Uh, Love uh, the birthday, birthday cake. cake. That's yeah, those are great. I, yep. Yep. Yeah, um, the uh, honey stinger waffles, the cliff block shots, um, uncrustables, and bananas. Uncrustables, uh, those yeah. frozen peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with the crust cut off? Yeah. Those yeah, are the best. Yeah. Those are yeah, the best. They, they, the, uh, they are so easy to take down, and they are 210 calories, and they have like 40 grams of carbs in them. I love uh, those things. That's uh, fantastic. It's like, it's, it's, it's like perfect, and they're cheap. And yeah, it's yeah. It you was, get like a box of twenty of them for like ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it so um, basically, I just rotated between the three main things, and then about every three hours or two hours, I would have an uncrustable and a banana. And then um, at the aid stations, I sipped on this Powerade Zero bottle I had uh, that I put four teaspoons of salt in, which is a lot of salt. Yeah. And um, basically, I just would take a quick swig of that and hand it off to my buddy again to uh, to uh, keep extra salt going on my system. And other than that, I carried water in my bottle and my hand bottle. So right, okay. And is this similar to what you would do in, in a half or a full Ironman and in, in during your tri days? I mean, uh, you, you'd carry this forward from that experience. I don't think I would have had a banana or an uncrustable in a half or full Ironman <laughs> simply sure. because yeah, I just I probably wouldn't but uh but um as far as the goose the shots and the waffles the salts go, and that sort of stuff it yeah. is okay cool yeah it is it is it is what i learned triathlon so so i mean look it, you know i can't imagine you know i can't imagine a lot went wrong during the execution of a 12 19 100 miler but at the same time we all know that none of these things go off without a hitch i mean obviously you had the logistical issue with the the gps but you know, even on your best day, and it sounds like you did have an amazing day, uh, you know, 100 miles is a long way, no matter what Carl Meltzer says. And, and you know, you're, you're bound to have a down period in there somewhere. Uh, did that come for you? When did that come for you? And how did you get through it if it did? I had practice coming through these, these uh, bad spots just all year. Um, basically, whenever I had a bad spot, I would first, I would first foremost, I would take a gel. Mm-hmm. I would sip it down and then and then um, I would remind myself I'm here to have my best day. I've trained for this. I would try to increase my stride rate. I would try to just quote unquote look good, feel good, you know. Yeah. And um and um I just I just tried to I just tried to like remind myself I trained for this moment. It's gonna be it's gonna be a sucky maybe two miles, three miles, could be four miles, but uh but um I will I will get through this low and get back up to my high again because um I'm just here. I'm trained well and I want to have my best days. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I was confident in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have multiple, I mean, it doesn't sound like any of them were too deep, but did, did you hit it multiple times or was it just once or twice that you kind of had to fight your way through? I'd say, I'd say it was twice early on in the race. Mm-hmm. And then probably from mile 85 to 90 was like a, was like a dark two hours. But, <laughs> uh, uh, I'd say, I, th- I think, I think one happened around like mile 62 and then probably earlier than that, I'd say probably around like mile 40 ish coming back up to Vienna park yeah. the uh, second time. But, okay. um, but, uh, neither one of those two lasted very long because, uh, because, uh, negative, because negative thoughts do not own any real estate in my head. So they don't, okay. It's not so allowed that. Okay. So that's just, uh, I was going to just ask you about that. Like, is that, I mean, that's a mindset that you obviously have to practice. Does that come naturally to you or is that something that you've really worked on? 
just not not it's, allowing them to gain any purchase because that's really what that's really the whole trick. I mean, the, our whole sport is just overcoming the the negative aspect of of your brain, basically. Um, I mean, and and that's really all training is is teaching your brain what it can and can't accept. So, right, how much of that comes naturally to you, and how much of that is a product of right just training twenty hours a week for the last you know however many years. I'd say I'd say that mentality really changed when I was a senior in college. I read the book. Um, it's called How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald. It's a great book. And and that book just like it just completely changed my output. Like like every race is a fire walk and I it's just I've I don't know, I've kind of gotten mentally stronger, I suppose, throughout the years. And I'm I'm probably not the toughest guy, but like I like to think, you know, I go into a race and 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 like as soon as you have one bad thought one turns into two and then two bad thoughts turns into 10 minutes of bad running and and just as soon as those start your race is probably over so right i i i just i just try to keep the good vibes going i just try to keep positive thoughts and and just go with it so we're probably eight weeks out uh, or so from Tunnel Hill at this point. How do you feel? How is your recovery gone? What's your training looking like right now? Oh, um, hey, uh, the recovery went really well. I took 16 days off completely after Tunnel Hill, which mm-hmm. was nice. Um, I'm about 10 pounds heavy, which I kind of like. Perfect. Uh, um, right now, my training is um, 16 miles in the morning and then just kind of cycling about an hour at night, followed up with some core strength and some different body strength. Um, I'm actually Zwift racing twice or three times a week. So um, I like that a lot. I love Zwift racing, actually. You're Zwift racing? So I didn't know that was a thing. I thought yeah, it was just yeah. like a, just kind of a social type of, but I, I guess if anything, so anything social can be a race, huh? Is that like yeah. just with friends or just with uh, random people? It is just, it is just, it is just with anyone who signs up, anyone across the world. So um, I typically do anywhere between like a 30 and 40 minute race. And I do that three times a week and it's freaking tough. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy to bike race. It's, it, it is something, it is something that I think, help my eventual run days just like building up those hamstrings and those quadriceps mm-hmm. and you know just like uh, uh just like all those muscles that i wouldn't use so much in running that i'm able to find uh during the bike races yeah and it's just and it's just fun to compete in the off season so yeah yeah that's great so uh i mean let's spin it forward a little bit to next year and beyond I mean, it sounds like, you know, reading between the lines a little bit, the Olympic trials is still the primary goal for the next couple of years. How ha, how have your plans changed since Tunnel Hill? Uh, is ultra running going to take on more of a role in the next four years, three years? Or do you see your future in that beyond 2024? Or has it not changed? Ultra running is going to take over the next two years um, as far as 2021 and 2022 goes. Um this coming year in 2021, I'm going to go to Mad City in April and race the U.S. 100Ks there. Sure. Um, then as long as it happens, I'd like to run the 100 miles at six days in a dome. Nice. In June. Um, and then in October, I'm going to go to Penny Pen and run the 50 mile there mm-hmm. and then go back to Tunnel Hill next November. Wow. Um, so, okay. So you got a, um, a full a full ultra schedule for next year. For sure. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. That's awesome. 
Six Days in the Dome, obviously where uh, Zach set the world record for 100 miles. Is that a goal of yours in the short term, in the long term, or are we just going to see where, we, where, where we're going to be at after running around that track for God knows how many times? <laughs> um eventually someday i would like a shot at that 1119 yep. i i don't think i don't think i have enough miles on my body i don't think i've ran enough 100 mile races to uh do that this year mm-hmm. um but uh but um i think to go under 1119 you need to have a lot of speed and i think and i think that speed will come for me and and um 2022 to 2024 when i go back down to the marathon distance mm-hmm. and focus snow running a lot of five minute mile pace stuff so right. um uh as far as next year goes uh kind of the main goal is to go under 12 hours at tunnel hill mm-hmm. next year so okay. th- that is that is what i'm shooting for okay okay and maybe a national championship at the 100k which uh could be within yes. your reach that'd be pretty cool that would be cool yeah it would be it would be nice um, all right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Taggart, this has been great. Uh, before I let you go, I have a game that I play with all my guests who come on. Um, and as usual, I've given you no advance warning or anything like that. Now you're way oh, too, no. yep. Sorry. It's, it's, it's not bad. I'm just, I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit. You're, you're way too young to remember the radio show called Desert Island Discs, but there used to be this show where the, the host would have a guest on and he would, or the guest would really kind of take over spinning records for about 20 minutes and, and would play the songs that he would bring with him to a desert island. So I'm gonna, we're going to play Desert Island Picks, uh, where I'm going to send you to a desert island. You're going to go for one year, and you have to bring one of the following. You have to bring one book, one album, and uh, an album is a, um, a group of songs by one band that were kind of... Uh, joined together cohesively in a unit for retail sale. I'm just explaining that for you because it's, <laughs> my guess is you, you don't, you only know Spotify playlists or whatever the hell it is that, that you guys do. Yeah. So it's one book, one album, one food and one beer. Okay. So you're going to go to a desert Island for a year. You're allowed those four things. What are you bringing on your desert Island trip? Oh, for my one book, I would probably bring, um, I think I said it earlier. How bad do you want it by Matt Fitzgerald? Perfect. I think I've read that thing like four times. It's great. So I love. I, I, love um, I need to look at my phone. Look at my phone uh, for the album part. <laughs> Hang on. Give me one second here. I can tell you the exact name of the of the album. I am listening to on repeat every single run. Machine Gun Kelly's new album, Tickets to My Downfall. Okay. And I just, I just love that guy. Awesome. Um, what were the other two? One food. One food. Ooh. <sighs> One food. I don't know. It probably, most people say this. Well, well, especially my mom. I like live off of oatmeal. I don't know. I just love oatmeal. Okay, good. It's a classic staple. One, yeah. And one beer. Do you drink beer? Yeah, I drink beer. beer. What, what's your Mil- beer? Uh, Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Miller Lite, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Taggart, thanks so much. This was really great. I, I, I really, I've, I've enjoyed getting to know a little bit about you, and I, I can't wait to follow along next year when, you know, I think you're going to get a chance to mix it up with some good guys at uh, Mad City and, and certainly at Six Days and uh, to, to follow your career going forward. Good luck, and, and uh, hopefully we'll get to meet on a run sometime soon. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. I, I, I appreciate you having me tonight, and I'm, I'm yeah, 
I'm happy to talk whenever. So hopefully we can meet up someday. Yeah, that sounds great. And be safe. I know you're teaching. Are you guys in? Uh, are you guys in person or are you teaching virtually right now? We are in person. Okay. Well, we wear person, your mask so. and be safe. <laughs> I will. Thank <laughs> All you. right. Thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky and the bus and feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there. I was still young. I was still young.